0: Interested to know where the passion comes from, do you enjoy what you do? like this seems to really motivate you seems to bring out an energy in you um I've had uh talked to people who they write a book, but they don't they don't have that spirit in it where they're like they this is what they wanted to do. This is the information they wanted to get out there. so where does that passion come mm, from? You? Well, a couple of places, oh, I hope I can talk about it, <laughs> but anyways, one is um i oh it's hard. Give me a minute. Uh, first one happened when I was uh separated from my first wife and really depressed, like so so um. Oh, very much in love, Uh, very heartbroken. And I was living in a home where three of us all separated from our partners. And we're living in a big, brand new house, but it was empty. There's nothing in there. We didn't have a table, didn't have a couch. We had a TV. I just had a mattress on my floor in my bedroom because I, you know, separated and left everything. And I was very depressed. And every night I would... um, go to the Seabird Cafe and stay there till 4 o'clock in the morning, go home, sleep for a few hours, get up at 7, because I just couldn't stand staying in that big, empty house, because it just reminded me of my big, empty life. <clears throat> so this one night, I got home at 4 o'clock, around 4 or so, maybe 4.30, I don't know, and I tried to go to sleep. And I was so depressed that my, my mom came to me in a dream. And it seemed so real because I was laying there in my bedroom, doors in front of me. And she comes and she goes, "Sonny, you're so sad and so unhappy here. You should just come with us. You won't be. You'll be. You'll be good here. You know." And I remember waking up and sitting up, and it's almost like she went behind the door to to hide. And I jumped up and running and looked around there, and she, of course she wasn't there. So I laid back down, trying to go back to sleep, and just on the edge of sleeping, then also my dad came he's deceased already too. And he came and goes, Son, it's no good for you to be here. You're so unhappy. You, need, you should just come with us. You'll be happy if you come with us. You know, and again I woke up and jumped up and he ran behind the door too, and I went, jumped up and looked, and he was not there. I laid back down again, I lay there, and then my best friend, the late John Hance, who passed away too. He come. Albert, Albert, you're so unhappy here. You should just come with us. You'll be really happy if you come with us. And so, and then he did the same thing, disappeared. And I never thought too much about that. Uh, It wasn't until my nephew, the late Derwin Peters, passed away, and our family was getting together and uh, talking, you know, about about that tragic loss in our in our family. And I shared that dream with uh, the late Danny Charlie. Very respected man in my life, <clears throat> and uh, the late uh, Buster Joe. And I knew this because my dad had told me before, but I'd forgotten about it. And that's what he said: is sometimes when you, when people dream about people that are gone or deceased, that. They actually come to you in their dream and take your spirit away, and then you actually die die in your sleep. So I'd heard him talk about that, but I'd forgotten about it. And it wasn't until I shared this dream. I remember Buster and Danny looking at each other and looking, they took turns talking, and they said, You should have died that night. They said, Your ancestor spirits, your loved ones came and they came to take you. They're going to take you with them. So you should have died, but you didn't. So that means you have a responsibility. You have something to do. There's some work that you have to do. He so said, We don't know what it is, but there's something that you have to do. And so that's why they saved you. That's why they left you. So uh I will think of that. Right. That's a driving force. And the other one was um interviewing uh South Almatek again. And we we're talking about place names and as far as I was concerned, he was very helpful with the place names that he was sharing. But um, all of a sudden he goes, you know what, Sonny, what? I really wish your grandfather was here. i been mean, talking about my grandfather, Robert Dennis Peters, or Bob Dennis, as he's known, he's a saxophone player. And I says, oh really, why is that? He says, well, the information I'm sharing with you is a drop in a bucket compared to what your grandpa could have shared. He said, your grandpa knew all the place names from Yale all the way down to Musqueam. He knew them all. He could have shared a whole bunch with you. So he said, I really wish that he was here. You know, so that really stuck in my mind that I was actually following my grandfather's uh, footsteps. So that's another one. Another one is, um keeps me going is knowing that I have ancestor spirits that are watching over me. And uh, it was actually... Um, Indian doctor from the States. Oh, I can't even think of his name now. But as a young boy, I remember um, my dad, when we lived in Swaziland, my dad would always go get an Indian doctor, shalam, a different word for them up there, and get them to do work on the family. And this uh, woman from Lillooet, tiny little woman, he used to always go up and get her. And uh, she'd stay with us for a week, two weeks, depending on how long she did work. She'd work on my dad, work on our mom, work on us as kids, and do all these things that, that an Indian doctor does, right, with a bowl of water and handkerchief and, you know, different things that she did. And I was really intrigued with her. I really fell in love, really loved that woman and respected her for everything that she did for us and what she represented, And even though we couldn't speak to each other. And I remember I was so intrigued with her that when I'd get home uh, from school, you know, I'd go sit on the floor. She she slept on the couch. We had a couch that folded open into a bed, and that's where she slept. And she didn't speak any English whatsoever. But I was so intrigued at her. When I get home, I go sit on the floor in front of her, and we just look at each other. And, you know, this um, I'd ask her, I can't remember the Thompson word for, for a cigarette. And she'd go, hey. And so I'd take her tin can and take some papers, roll her, roll her up some uh, Cigarette, about 10 cigarettes, and i put them in the can, cover put it by her feet, and she'd grab one and start smoking it. And then I'd ask her if she wanted a drink of water, I'd say the Thompson word for water, and she'd go, hey, hey, so I'd go in the kitchen, grab a glass of water and bring it to her, and uh, she'd grab it and have, drink it. She'd sit there holding the water and have a cigarette and looking down at me, smiling every once in a while, you know, and yeah, i just sit there, I just so intrigued with her. And same with my grandfather, um, where I get my ancestral name, Nachahatsi, uh, so my grandfather is a young boy who's known as, uh, so he was born in 1864, he's known as Bakupsh. As he got older, he is known as Nakhakhatsi, which means sacred strength inside. If you look at the word Chacha is in there, the Thompson word Chacha means sacred, same as down here. And uh, then as he got older, he is known as Meshk, and Meshk means like a storyteller or a preacher. Well, he wasn't a preacher, but he was a storyteller. Uh, when the late Annie York talked about him, she said that he, used to. she talked about him traveling up to Spencer's Bridge, and then from Spencer's Bridge to Merritt, stopping at all the different villages along that way, and sharing stories. So you can imagine, back then, no radio, no TV. Uh, it's a pretty important job that he had, and he would stay one or two weeks in the same village, and every night go to different houses sharing stories. And about five or six years ago, I found out that he actually went up to Lillooet. I met a uh, elder from the Okanagan. I think his last name was Tabasket. Anyways, I was talking about my last name, and when I mentioned Meshk, he goes, Meshk And I said, yeah. He goes, that oh, was your grandfather. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, he used to come up here to the Okanagan telling stories. I said, really? I said, I didn't know that. He goes, yeah. And he said, last summer, he said, I was up visiting one of my friends up in Lillowat, and we started talking about Meshk and he said that Meshk used to go up there telling stories too. I said, oh, really? I didn't know that. I said, I just knew that he went from Spencer's Bridge up to Merritt. But now I find out that he tells stories up there, so plays a big role in in my life because of the all the different things accomplishments that he did, and that's why I lead a alcohol free life because he was alcohol free as well, and also I look to him, you know, for strong uh, worth ethics so to share with my kids, and you know quite a few of my kids have strong work work ethics, and um, because uh, he was a trapper, he had a trap line from Anderson Creek to East Anderson River took One week to get to that end. He had a cabin there, and then one week to get back. Uh, when he was 18, he moved up to Boston Bar because his mom was from Chiam, his father was from Nickmin. And so Annie York said that when he turned 18, he moved to Spuzzum and he lived there in Spuzzum because he wanted to be kind of in between and the Katmukh between his father's heritage and the Stalo between his mother's heritage. But then when he met his first wife, she was from Anderson Creek. So that's when he moved up there to Anderson Creek. And then so when he moved up there, he uh, lived across the river from where the Canadian Pacific Railroad is, because the Canadian Pacific Railroad was built from 1882 to 1885, and he actually worked on building those. Uh, so if you ever go up there, you look across to the CPR side, you see those stone stone um, retaining walls. He actually worked on it. He used to cross by canoe to go across there and, and work there. Plus, I uh, New York said that he also worked for the hop yard companies. He was... Uh, um, the hop-yard companies would give him money, and he would take a train way up on a canal or Williams Lake, somewhere up that way, hiring people, giving them advances and buying their, their ticket t- train ticket to come down to pick hops, either in AC or in the Sumas or Chilliwack area. And so that was another one of his jobs. And he was also a uh, gold panner. And that's one of the pictures that you can see. There's an old archival photograph of uh, my grandfather, uh, taken in front of Lytton, right at the confluence of the Thompson and the uh, Fraser River, and you can see my picture, my grandfather in a white shirt, has a hat on. He's has a cradle rocker, and my grandmother behind him, and my uncle uh, David in front, and then my grand aunt Chet in the background, and uh, Mrs. Joe Brown is in there. The two other ladies, don't know un- unidentified ladies. Anyways, um, that that photograph is of my grandfather when he was uh, plaster mining using a cradle rocker yeah and so so i get a lot of um what do you call it inspiration inspiration from from him and yeah when this indian doctor from um the states came up and did some work while we're at the travel council he was doing work and that's what indian doctors do it's all about our spirituality that's our spirituality is all about spirits like taking care of our spirits like um who was it, in, in uh, Old Pierre, I think it is, talks about seven different spirits that we have. And um, anyways, everything, it's all about that. Like So if you look at all the different protocols that we have, that's what it's about. When you leave a cemetery, don't you can't leave your, part of your, your spirit in there. So the late Edna Bob said, when you walk out of the cemetery, call yourself. So that's what I do. You don't have to call out loud. She said, just say it, call it yourself in your mind. So basically what you're doing is collecting your spirit as you leave that cemetery. So when you're walking out the gate, in my mind they go, nah khatsi, come on, let's go, you don't need to be here, let's go. Right, so I call my spirit and take it. And that's the whole thing with the residential school thing that's happening. I'm really proud of my um, nieces and nephews and my daughter because that's what they did mm-hmm. Camloops. <clears> Kamloops. <throat> they brought their canoe up there and that's what they went and did. They actually, that's that's a teaching that we have, bring home the ancestor spirits, right? And so, they actually have aunts and uncles that went to school up there, and that's why they went up there. And that's what they did. They did a ceremony because they're really good with drums. They're really good singers. They have strong, powerful songs. And that's what they did. They called their ancestor spirits and brought their ancestor spirits home, right? So same with that Indian doctor when he was doing work on me. And um, I would never met him before. Kenny Moses, that's his name. Never met him before. And um, I remember this one day. Uh, Randall Paul and I went up to Yale. Denise Douglas, she was uh, kind of one of my supervisors back then, and uh, provided me a lot of guidance in some of the work that I do. Anyways, um, she told us, she called us, and she said that uh, CPR had a bulldozer up in Yale doing some work. And she said uh, we better go up and go check, make sure they're not uh, disturbing any archaeological sites. So Randall Paul jumped, uh, we jumped in the car, went up all the way up there. And uh, sure enough, the bulldozer was there, but it is gone. But we could see the place where the bulldozer was working. Sure enough, it cut into an archaeological site because we went in there and all the fresh turned over flattened dirt looking in there. And sure enough, there was artifacts in there. And I remember picking up this artifact and I was holding it in my hand like this. All of a sudden I started getting really sick, like I wanted to throw up, got a headache. My hands were shaking, my legs were shaking. I was going, oh, what the heck's going on? So I thought, I better put this back down. So I put it back down on the ground. Stood up and I was just standing here trying to collect myself because I was just all shaky and felt really sick. And then Randall Paul comes up to me and he says, "Oh, I'm going to go over there and check in the check in the bushes." I said, "Okay," and I didn't tell him that I was what I was going through, right? And he left to walking over there. And anyway, so we left there. A couple of weeks later, my younger sister Sue Sue Harris came to visit in our office. Our office is downstairs in the old doctor's office, at the old travel consul office. She asked how things were going, how's work going, and then I told her what happened. And uh, Randall Paul overheard me. He goes, oh, you too. And I looked at him and said, what? He said, yeah, that's what happened to me as well. I said, really? He said, yeah, remember when I told you I was going to go check in the bush? I said, yeah. He said, well, I felt sick. He said, I thought I was going to get sick. I didn't want to throw up in front of you, so that's why I went into the bush. Anyways, so that happened. Kenny Moses is working on me. And yeah, never told the story to many people, so I don't know. Uh, anyways, he says, um, you start working, and he says, oh, it looks like you went to a place where your ancestors were. He says, I don't know what you're doing there, but you you reach down and you pick something up off the ground, and you're holding it in your hand, looking at it. And he said, but when you put it back down, you left part of your spirit in that in that stone that you're holding. He said, but don't worry. I went back there, I collected your spirit, I brought it back and put it back on you. So so you should feel feel a lot better. See, and that's what they do. So you need watch Indian doctors that they're doing work. That's what they're doing is taking care of your spirits, right, seeing whether or not, cause they'll, they'll look at you and figure out whether or not there's a bad spirit that's on you or if it's a good spirit. If they find it's a good spirit, you know, they'll look at it, listen to it, all these different things and put it back on you if it's something that you need, or if it's something that's bad, that's creating a lot of harm to you, then they'll take it and bring it to the window or the door blow it out and say, okay, that, you didn't need that. That was that was really holding you back, right? So we got rid of it, so you should feel a lot better now, right? So that's the sort of thing. But anyways, the other thing he said was, um, oh, it looks like there's an old woman overlooking you on your left, over your left shoulder. She's always with you. Her spirit's always with you, watching over you. And he said, I don't know who she is. You probably know who she is. And I knew right away who it was. Yeah, but he says, yeah, because she's there watching over you. And um, you probably pray to her for for guidance and help, which I do. like that. And that's that old Indian doctor watching over me. So it was really cool. Like, like, wow, how does he even know about this old woman, right? And he said, oh, and also over your right shoulder, he said, there's an old man. He said, I don't know who it is. You probably know who it is, but he's always there watching over you as well. And he said, I think you probably pray to him as well when you need help. And right away, I knew that was my my grandfather, my dad's. Dad Antoine, where I get my name from. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's a little bit about the spirituality. And that's things that kind of inspire me. And um, the importance, I guess, of leaving a legacy for my grandchildren as well.